This podcast discusses content that may be triggering for some listeners. Please be advised, discussions include gambling language, types of gambling, and addiction. Hello and welcome to the Hidden Addiction Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the Mid-Hudson Problem Gambling Resource Center under the New York Council on Problem Gambling. Across New York State, we have seven resource centers dedicated to connecting individuals to care. We are here to increase awareness about problem gambling and advocate for support services for persons adversely affected by problem gambling. Gambling is defined as risking something of value on a game of chance. There can be many types of gambling and it can affect anyone at any time in their life. It may not be talked about often and kept in the dark, but we hope this podcast sheds light on the hidden addiction of gambling and brings forth resources and information for you to use. the Mid-Hudson Problem Gambling Resource Center, and we are here to discuss everything and anything about gambling education, problem gambling education, and connecting people to the services. That is what we do here. So last episode, episode five, we talked about our personal journeys into getting into this work, working with those with uh, who are struggling with problem gambling and also those who are affected by it. And one of our listeners gave us amazing feedback and we decided to take that feedback and kind of answer her questions when it comes down to how does this, how does this whole process of treatment work? Who, how does the calls get connected between Colleen and Amanda to the clinician? Um, what does the initial phone call look like? And what does it sound like? I know that in past episodes, we we talked with GA and they described their process, but we never really described our process. And this is that moment where we can explain what this the whole connecting to care looks like. So we have a guest, a special guest, one of our amazing clinicians in our Mid-Hudson region um, with us. He will introduce himself, but again, I am Leilani and I am the team leader. Colleen. I'm one of the program managers. I'm Amanda. I'm another program manager with the PGRC. And we're joined today by... Ah, hello. My name is JR Lombardo. My name is Eugene Lombardo. Everybody calls me JR. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. I am one of the clinicians at work in affiliation with the PGRC. Thank you so much for being here with us today, JR. We truly appreciate um, just you willing to tackle this particular addiction. Um, We know there are a lot of addictions out there, but uh, gambling is one of the hidden ones. And we just appreciate you and your dedication to this work. So Absolutely. thank you. It's an honor. Yeah. So, I mean, if we want to kind of start just talking about what happens when somebody, somebody calls the PGRC, right. Um, Amanda and I, in our roles as program managers, you know, we work to connect a caller uh, to care, to resources. And we have several resources that are available 
throughout the region. Um, so if you call, you know, you call our number um, and you get connected to one of us. Amanda, you want to tell a little bit about what basic information we need from a caller uh, to get to get connected to that care? Sure thing. So when someone calls in, uh, the at its very core, the two main things that we need to connect a caller to care are their name and their contact phone number, right? When it comes to you know, any addiction, but specifically with problem gambling, a lot of people, you know, once they get to the point of making that call, that is such a, a brave and courageous jump to make, right? It, it's not something that a lot of people take lightly. So the calls that we have vary from, you know, people who get on the, on the line and they want to share everything that's going on. They feel like I finally am at a point where I want to open up about this and I want to tell you what's going on, who's involved, what my role is, what others' roles are. They want to know everything about all the resources that there are in the area. And that ranges uh, to the other side of the spectrum, where someone may call in and say, taking this step, making this phone call is major, and I'm exhausted. And I, at this time, I don't know if I can bear my soul to this person on the phone, but I know that I need help. And so maybe they'll just say, hi, my name is, is Amanda, and I'm looking for help. This is my contact number. You know, what can you do for me? And Colin and I will, you know, meet that caller wherever they are on that spectrum, whether they're looking to kind of bear their heart to us in that moment, or they're looking just to kind of quickly get connected to someone who has been trained and can kind of help them with direction. Yeah. So we work, Amanda and I work to really get that best fit. So like the one thing, you know, if someone's calling in, you know, we need your name and your number just to, to get you connected. However, in order to make that best match with the clinician, you know, we like to know your availability. When can you make an appointment? Um, we typically, you know, ask you for some insurance information, but a big thing of our program is it's not we don't need to have your insurance information to get you connected, or sometimes we'll connect you to a clinician who might not accept your insurance, but it meets your needs based on your availability or maybe the location. Um, so whatever, like Amanda said, we meet you all where you're at and we meet you to, to figure out that best match for the clinician. And that's our number one, you know, goal is to get you connected to that care that you called in about, because like Amanda said, it's a big step to make that initial call. And in addition to someone who might be struggling with their gambling, it's a big step for family members or friends to call in as well. And that's something that we also are able to do. And we're also um, able to get someone connected to, to a clinician as well. And our clinicians have all been trained specifically um, in problem gambling treatment. And one of the things we wanted to kind of talk about and why we wanted to bring a clinician in on this call was just to get people a little more familiar about what happens in a session. Um, you know, what, what's that first appointment look like? You know, we always encourage callers, if you're not sure exactly what you want or what you're looking for, is to at least do that first session with a clinician um, so that you can, you can find out a little bit more about what your journey is and, you know, what you're looking for and, and how our clinicians can help you. So I have a question. What does, what constitutes a match? Because you talked about a, uh, you know, matching the clinician up with the, the, the caller. What, it, what, what is a match? What are we looking for? What are they looking for? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think um, it's based on a, a couple of different criteria. One, we try and 
you know, we, we think about the location of the caller, right? If we have someone that's calling in from one end of our region, we're not, you know, ideally, right? The idea of pre-COVID, pre uh, this mass telehealth usage, we want to make sure we connect someone that is within a reasonable driving distance or accessible to transportation, right? If someone's looking for care, we want to make sure that they can get to that care. Um, in addition, you know, there are many different types of gambling that exist. So we have some clinicians that have treated uh, multiple people who gamble with sports gambling, or we have clinicians who are very familiar with casino gambling. Um, so if there's like a specialty or, or something that can provide that kind of expertise, that's important. Um, there's also a cultural piece to it, right? If we have someone that calls in, for example, I, I identify as a Latinx uh, individual. And so for me, finding someone who could understand the cultural piece to my gambling or understand even my familial uh, history or the, you know, the culture uh, aspect, I think is very important to identify. Um, we have some callers who specifically would prefer um, a female counselor or would prefer a male counselor. So it really depends on what the caller is looking for. And, you know, like I said before, it depends on, on how much they share. We have some callers that that share very little, some callers that share very much. Maybe we have a caller that is calling, uh, you know, about their spouse. Maybe their spouse is gambling, but they're looking to, you know, possibly do family sessions down the road. So we have um, clinicians who have experience and, and their background is in family uh, counseling. So it just depends. I think that there are so many different criteria that go into making that best match. One thing I do want to mention that we talk about a lot like on the program manager side of things, and even with the clinicians, finding the right therapist, finding the right clinician is like dating, right? Sometimes you meet with a clinician and everything, it feels like the stars align and maybe you get in that chair and you're like, wow, that's just not working out. And that's totally fine, right? And I, I'm sure JR can, can speak to that, right? It's, it's all about finding that match that not only meets those different criteria or whatever that includes, but also you can connect with and feel comfortable with. JR, what has been your experience with, you know, um, with the PGRC and uh, the New York Council on Problem Gambling? What is your experience with us? Uh, well, I mean, I definitely want to speak to it in a, in a more broader sense. And then I, I, and then I also maybe if I could circle back to something that Amanda just said, too, uh, would, be, would be helpful for me. I've had a really wonderful and positive experience working with the PGRC, with you guys and the staff in general with the process, with um, the implementation of the program. It's a pretty sort of seamless experience from my end, from the provider's end, which makes it much more desirable for me to stay affiliated, you know, less hurdles for me to jump over as a clinician. Things can become complicated in the clinical world with lots of different things, insurance, this, that, or the other thing. And um, you folks are really good, in my opinion, at sort of working some of that stuff out before it even comes to my doorstep, which... Uh, and you're also very nice, my opinion is you guys are very nice, empathetic folks by, as, as human beings. And so I'm going to guess that when people call in to speak to you, they feel similarly that I do when I get a call from you, which is, I feel good when I see your number come up on my phone because I like dealing with you because you're nice folks. And I hope that that comes through with people that actually call for the first time. I did want to comment on what Amanda said, if I could, which is, you know, finding the right match for a clinician, you know, a lot of times, I think on some, 
uh, surface level, there are certain things that, that people know about themselves. They might feel more comfortable talking to a man or a woman, an older person, younger person, similar culture, different culture. But I also know from my own experience as a clinician that the best way to figure out if, if it's a good match is to first talk on the phone or on a Zoom call um, and then to get in the room together. Um, so part of what I do in an initial phone call and then an initial session with somebody, you know, a Zoom session or, a, or an in-person session when we were in person is to give them the best opportunity to, um, to get a feel for what I'm sort of like. I mean, I have a kind of a big personality, so it sort of comes across in my, I think, in my phone calls and my Zoom Zooms as well, too. But um, give people an idea of sort of how I operate and what I'm like in the room so that they can feel if there's a level of comfort and connection there or not. And to be um, humble and respectful of people if it's not gonna, going to be the best match. So, you know, I have certain knowledge and professional experience, which I'll talk to you about in, in a second, which is obviously very important. But if a person, it doesn't click with me, it doesn't really matter my knowledge. They could look the same knowledge up in a book, right? They don't need me to provide that knowledge. So a big part of what is transformative about a therapeutic relationship is the level of comfort between two human beings sharing sort of their, uh, sharing the journey together. And I think that that's really paramount. Um, and, I, and I think, and I'm, I'm gonna speak for a man and Colleen and, and please, Correct me if I'm wrong. Since you two pretty much know me pretty well at this point, I would imagine that there's some of that that goes on for you too. That's like the intangible stuff. When you're taking a call and you're speaking to a caller, you sort of within the realm of you know, geography and specialization, you sort of try to get a feel if, if this particular caller might feel comfortable with a clinician like myself. Is that, is that a fairly accurate statement? Yes, and I was just going to say, you know, part of the PGRC program is because Amanda and I know all of our clinicians, we've onboarded our clinicians, we talk to them weekly, we have a sense of what their personalities are like, and we're, we're able to, when someone calls in, you know, you can, you can kind of take those cues and figure out to, you know, oh, what clinician, what clinician is going to work best with this person just based on the conversation we just had on the phone for our quick, you know, intake information from them. No, I, I would also say from, from sort of the other side of that is, you know, I've had so many experiences. So I've been a therapist for a long time. I've been a therapist for 25 years. I'm a social worker. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. I'm licensed in the state of New York and in Connecticut to provide, um, you know, uh, clinical uh, social work treatment for people. Um, and I found that I can't make a judgment on who's going to connect with me. I think I can. I think I know, you know, I, I give myself more credit probably than I deserve. I say, oh, this person, why would this person want to talk to me? You know, I'll hear about a particular client. And I've learned over the years to not make quick judgments because you never know what it is about the personal connection that's going to work. And so some of the PGRC folks that have come through my office who I have uh, meeting clients who I have a lot of uh, respect for. If I if you saw their their story on paper and my story on paper, you'd say, "Yeah, how could these two people? What could they possibly have in common?" But you never know until we start talking with each other. And then, so part of what I do in an initial phone call is I'll ask some very basic, surface level questions about why they're calling. You know, people that have any kind of an addictive uh, behavior 
oftentimes reach out for help at a particular time for a particular reason, right? It's not, it's usually not the first day that they're experiencing a problem. It's usually not the first day that they've engaged in a, in a gambling behavior that they, that is problematic, right? And so one of the things that I will ask early on is, and I'll, hopefully I do it more diplomatically than I'm going to say here is, you know, so why now? Why'd you call now? What was going on on that day at that time that you felt it necessary to pick up that phone? And that gives me a little bit of an idea of where they are on the spectrum of their experience of whatever their struggle is, you know, and helped me see what was going on for them at that time that pushed them to the place that they wanted to reach out for help. I also do my best to let, look, I am biased because I am a therapist. So I am biased towards therapy, obviously, because this is what I do for a living. And so I have to remind myself that a lot of folks, both based on the culture, the way they were raised, their family, history, whatever, may either A, have no experience with the world of therapy or B, have a negative association with the world of therapy. And so I really do my best to let them know that from my perspective, I'm really impressed with them and admire them for reaching out and asking for help. We all have to remember that when people call a hotline number, they're used, this is not the best, they're not living their best life, right? This is not the highlight point of their life at the moment that they're doing this. It's usually in, the, in possibly the worst moment of their lives. And so I wanna do my best to express them genuinely. I'm not talking about making fake praise. Anybody could do fake praise, but to genuinely express to them how much I admire that they took this step and how much I am honored that they're gonna trust me, even if it's for a two minute phone call, to share a little bit about their personal lives. And to be honest, to share probably the part of their lives that is most shameful, most disturbing, you know, that they, this is not the stuff that you post on Facebook, right? You post the wonderful stuff on Facebook. You don't tell people on Facebook that I have this secret gambling problem and I might lose my job or I might lose my family or I might go to jail or I might, you know, nobody says that on Facebook. And so I try to take that into consideration when I speak to somebody um, and to be deferential to their situation and ask them very basic information because this is sort of an, we're in a crisis moment when somebody calls PGRC. So it's sort of like when an ambulance shows up to an accident scene, right? They go, all right, we, they triage, right? What's the most important thing? What are we going to work on? You know, what's your date of birth? Where do you live? Do you know what day it is, ma'am, sir? Right? So that's what I try to do from a clinical standpoint. I get as basic as I can which hopefully helps them have less emotional connection to what they're sharing with me. So I ask as, you know, as much basic concrete information as I can, which is usually along the lines of, you know, what, what possessed you to call at this particular time? What is your most common method of, of gambling? You know, the basic kind of stuff. How long has this been a part of your life? Have you had any previous experience of trying to control it or stop it? How has that gone? I might ask if they've ever had a previous experience talking to a professional counselor or therapist, because I might want to know if they have and haven't had a wonderful experience. I want to take that into consideration. And so that would be the basics of the first contact between me and somebody who calls the phone line. I also, I was going to say, I also think it's really important um, just when you're talking about like the therapeutic relationship, like taking into consideration that a lot of people have that negative connotation with therapy. And that's something I think 
just in general, not just the PGRC, but a lot of offices and organizations really, we want to try and break down that stigma that, that going to therapy is, is bad or something like that, because it's not, it's helpful. And, you know, this is what's going to assist you in your goals of, of achieving, you know, whether it be harm reduction or not gambling at all, whatever the case may be, but therapy can help you with that or building healthy relationships with those in your life who've been affected by your gambling. So I really just, you know, I, I like that you you mentioned that because that's a big, big part. And that's also part of why we kind of wanted to do this particular topic on this podcast was to kind of make sure people know that when they call in here, like we are a caring organization and we want to get you where you where you want to be. You know, Colleen, you, you took the words out of my mouth with when talking about treatment goals, right? And I think that a lot of people are afraid because it's also like, well, what's going to happen when I get in into that chair, right? Am I going to have control over, over what happens next or where, which direction this takes? And I think that brought my brain right to the idea of recovery and maintenance of that recovery. And, you know, as with all addictions, right, the road to recovery looks very different for every individual. And I think that it can be bumpy, right? Sometimes you have your great days and you have your not so great days, but the benefit of connecting with a clinician wherever you are on that journey is really nice because you have that support and you have somewhere we can go and say, you know, this, this is myself today. You don't have to show up kind of with all that armor. And I mean, if you do, then, then you can, but it's, it's a nice safe space where you can take that armor off and you don't have to be that Facebook self or, you know, insert air quotes into our audio. Um, but you don't have to kind of pretend to be someone else or, or, you don't always have to be strong, right? You can show up and say, this is where I am on my journey. This is, this is how I'm doing with maintenance. Um, you know, if your goal is abstinence, today is hard. You can say to your clinician, today is difficult. Today I'm having urges. Today I'm, I am thinking about this and I need help and I need tools to help me kind of fight those urges, right? And the clinician obviously is going to show up with care and concern and empathy, but also our clinicians are, are equipped to provide those tools to say, how, where are you today? And how can I help you either with your maintenance? How can I help you move a step forward? Whatever you need, you, they, they meet exactly where you're at. And one of the things when we were onboarding clinicians is our, our, in our, the forefront of our minds is yes, of course, do they have the qualifications? Are they licensed? Can they take the training? But also if my mom was looking for help, would I send my mother to this person? And, and Colin and I worked really hard to make sure that every time we asked ourselves that Question, the answer was yes, right? We would send our moms, our, our dads, our brothers, our sisters, our cousins, our boyfriends, our girlfriends, our whoever's, right? Because we know that they're going to be met with that genuine care and concern. It's, it's interesting, um, even from what JR was saying, what you were saying, Amanda, in terms of like that first moment, like what made you take this step right now or what feeling are you feeling because a lot of us at times we don't identify the feelings of the now you know we don't sit and just say how am I feeling right now and I think that's what allows us identifying those feelings allows us to take the next step and whatever step that may look like if that step means um, being connected to a clinician or that step means um, being connected to GA or, or being connected to um, possibly a higher level of care, you have to be able to identify 
that feeling. And sometimes the feeling can be, I don't know, but I know I feel something, <laughs> you know, cause sometimes we can't put words to things, but we, I, we feel something that is pushing us to, to get the help. And it's a, it's so important in this, um, in this whole world of wellness in a sense, cause we're in the business of being well. That's what we're in. We're in the business of being well. We're just focusing on gambling addiction, but we're in the business of being well. In order for us to be well, we have to be able to identify how we feel in that moment. No, definitely. I think that's a that's a really important point, and it makes me think. Uh, thank you, Leilani, because it gets me to think that you know, I feel like my role is more of a facilitator than anything else because you know I have professional experience in dealing with people that have problem gambling. And so I have, you know, X number of hours of being in a room with people and working through this kind of stuff. And it develops a sort of uh, an intuition, a clinical intuition just comes from time, you know, putting in the hours. And so I feel like um, I'll, I'll oftentimes how I'm best helpful to people is to just facilitate an interaction with them that helps them sort of think about things, check in with their feelings, look at things from a different perspective, be open to having consideration for alternatives. You know, this is all where change comes from. People that have struggled with problem gambling, by and large, are disconnected from how they think and how they feel, right? That's what addictions do. Addictions are a substitute for feelings, right? And so, I think being able to sort of stop, and that's one of the great things about being in a therapeutic relationship. The other thing I wanted to just differentiate sort of between sort of like therapy and, and counseling a little bit for folks that are, might feel like, oh my God, I don't want to have to start from, you know, you know if, you, if you've never been to a kind of therapy and you only know from the movies, you're going to think, oh my God, I have to lay on the couch and tell them, you know, what about, you know, my first memory of childhood and all this kind of stuff. And that's, very important and as a therapeutic technique, but that is more in the line of what might be traditionally called psychotherapy, right? Sort of digging back through the past, looking for patterns, trying to pick up um, on some the different kinds kinds of relationships that have happened and how they impact your life currently. Counseling, and again, this is mostly from this is my perspective, really, on how I handle dealing with people people with addiction. Um, or people that come in and see me because of PGRC connection is much more along the lines of what Colleen was saying, like looking at behaviors, identifying coping skills, identifying patterns of behavior, and sort of making behavioral changes. Now, sometimes the behaviors that we currently engage in are connected to stuff from our past, stuff to our, from our family of origin, if we've had some kind of traumatic experiences in the past. Yes, absolutely. They're related to each other, okay? And if there's a, a time and a place to go to that place in order to modify the current behavior, by all means, there's nothing wrong with doing that. But oftentimes, working diligently on identifying unhealthy behaviors and modifying those unhealthy behaviors are what is the crux of the work with folks that come in with a problem gambling situation. You don't need to dig up all kinds of childhood stuff. You don't need to share all kinds of, you know, skeletons from the closet. You don't need to do any of that kind of stuff. 
you know, and the truth of the matter is, and I will say this as a person who makes his living doing therapy, being insightful about why you do what you do is a wonderful thing, but it does not change the actions that we take. Modifying our behavior, having a purposeful plan to modify our behavior is what brings about change. Yes, is it helpful to know how you got here? Absolutely, it's wonderful to know how you got here. Sometimes it's very liberating because it makes perfect sense. You say, oh my God, under these circumstances, now that I see that, I could see why when this happened to me then, I sort of lived the way I live my life now, absolutely. But just having that knowledge does not bring about change. Hard work brings change. And so, I mean, I guess that's the good news and the bad news, right? It's not usually easy. And people that engage in a behavior for weeks or months or years, it takes work to retrain your brain to function in a different kind of a way. And so for those folks who are, who are not big into the whole digging through the past, not, not big into, you know, getting the Kleenex boxed out and telling about, you know, terrible childhood experiences, that's perfectly fine. We don't need to go there at all unless you choose to go there, obviously. Let's talk about what's causing you the most distress at this moment, and what we could do to come up with some plans about making some changes so that they'll be less distressful to you, less or less destructive to you or the ones you love, or less shameful to you or the one, you know what I mean? Like that's where particularly the PGRC work from my perspective comes in. And, um, you know, we have an expression in, in my field, you know, um, which I love. I, I fall back on a lot of uh, sort of old timey expressions, but this one is one that I love, which is, you know, um, right action brings right thinking. It's not the other way around. So, you know, you can think all you want about, and all of us can experience this as human beings, right? You can think every day about losing five pounds. You can think for the next 20 years about losing five pounds and look up all the best ways to lose five pounds. But the only way you're going to lose five pounds is if you take the next right action towards losing five pounds. And that's sort of the crux of the work that I do. And just having somebody to be accountable for. You know, a lot of times people manage these behaviors on their own. And if you're stuck in some kind of a negative, repetitive, unhelpful cycle, like problem gambling, it's very hard for you in and of yourself to change that, okay? And this is human nature. This is not to say that anybody is bad or good. This is human nature. So having an outside party to just share that journey with, to feel accountable to, to know that next time you talk to JR, JR is going to ask how it's going in a loving, kind, empathetic way. JR is going to say, how are you doing with that behavior? And that will force you to keep it in the forefront of your mind so that when you go to see JR, you're able to say, I'm doing okay. I'm not doing okay. I, I also like what you said too, Leilani. You know, like you're not, we're not always doing okay. That's okay too. We're not, and, and men said this too. You know, we're not, some days are not great days. It's not a trajectory of one day better than the next and the next and the next forever and ever and ever. That's not how it works. It ebbs and flows. There's peaks and valleys. That's the way we all operate as human beings. And so sharing the wins and sharing the struggles with another person who, you know, gets it, and is empathetic about it, but also will lovingly nudge you along in the right direction. That's what I hope my role is for folks that care to engage in a therapeutic relationship with me. And everything you said, I just, I heard 
it, everything you said was wonderful. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but what I, I just, I, I just hear the word support and, you know, it, as whether it's as a clinician or it's us or the middleman and, you know, in the connection, it's just the support. Sometimes we just need that extra support. And that is what we do is support. You say you you facilitate because the facilitator is just asking questions, but it's it's also a supporter because anybody could be a facilitator, but a person who's supporting you is 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 key. Um, so I will I will continue to say thank you, <laughs> <laughs> kindness um, has to come through. It has to come through for and in order for the the support to be received yeah right. and i appreciate it and it needs to be authentic right mm-hmm. and I, I think i think amanda said this i think jr said this i think everybody probably says but like recovery is a process right and i liked when you said like having that accountability like we think about like if we're working out or trying to eat healthier like sometimes we have an accountability partner right who's gonna go to the gym with you before work to make sure you get that workout in and if we kind of think about therapy or your therapist in that same role, sometimes it, it helps you kind of be like, well, this is just my accountability partner. That's what it is. It's my accountability partner who's helping me stay on track and helping me stay focused in my recovery. You know, and, and even taking that a step further, I think we have a lot of people. I think when we had Joe from GA on, he was kind of saying the same message, right? But when you're on that road of recovery and you have your accountability partner and you have the support, it's never bad to have a lot of support, right? And so just kind of segue back to some of the things that we do at the PGRC, um, you know, when we have someone call in, obviously we work to set up that relationship with the clinician. So you have this accountability partner, but there are also so many other resources that we have available, right? We have connections with GA, we have connections with Gaminon, Smart Recovery. In our region, we're very fortunate to have a recovery center that services all of our counties and they provide pro-social activities. They have um, a way to enter into a community that is supportive, that is working on their own um, addictions. And it's not only, you know, the the recovery center specifically, it's not only uh, specific to gambling, but it's addiction in general. And as we know, addiction is addiction is addiction, right? Like it runs that same neural pathway. It impacts the brain very similarly. So having more support is never bad. And we always encourage anyone who calls in, you know, it definitely depends on where they're at on their journey and what level of readiness they have. Um, But if you're open to connecting with a clinician, we also encourage you to to consider connecting with GA or consider connecting with Gaminon to just build upon that support, right? Because, you know, with our clinicians, although they are always willing to bend over backwards and, and help out a client whenever in need, you know, they do run practices, right? And they do have availability that that is based on, you know, their own personal lives. I know, surprise, they have lives outside of the PGRC, um, but they have other clients and things like that. So we do encourage uh, anyone who calls in, again, whether it's the individual that is being challenged with their gambling or the family member impacted by the gambling, whatever the case may be, we encourage to continue to build that support. We just wanted to mention that as well. So what are the next steps here? What are we doing? 
I think, I mean, for anybody listening, it's just to, to really drive home that point that, you know, if, if you have questions about your problem gambling, if you want to talk to someone, you want to talk to Amanda and I and see how we can help you just to, you know, to call in and, and we can talk to you and figure out what, what those next steps are. And, you know, I think JR did a really um, great job telling also what, what the next step after getting connected to us, what it looks like to have that initial assessment an appointment and what a therapeutic relationship looks like and, and how it can be beneficial to you if you're struggling. And also for any clinicians out there listening in, if you would like to be JR's best friend in our network, we're always recruiting. We would always love to hear from you. Uh, we're always looking to expand our clinical network to continue to provide the support services. Indeed, indeed. Anytime we can always help what we do. JR, I just thank you. I thank you so much. Um, and, and just all our clinicians, um, whoever's listening to it, if any of our other clinicians are on board um, and are hearing this podcast, we thank you so much for the work that you are doing, um, not just in our region, but just across the state. We thank any person across the nation, anywhere, uh, that are that is doing this work and is doing it with authenticity and love and care. It's so vital to the individual who is seeking the care. Um, it's vital to their, their recovery process or their, just their whole journey through it. So we appreciate the work that you're doing and how you're doing it and who you're doing it with. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Any final words for the listeners tuning in? Anything you'd like to say? Um, about getting connected or how to be connected or really anything that's on your mind. All right. I want to express gratitude to you folks because I really appreciate first you asking me, but it's also just a pleasure uh, to, to work with, with, to work with you all. And if, if, if anybody's listening to this, you know, I hope that they get a feel for what we're all like, because I think we're all pretty genuine folks and, you know, yeah, just from us discussing this right here in this con in this context, I feel like this is pretty good representation of who we are, how we operate, and what we're like if you talk to us on the phone or in person. And so, um, um, I'm hoping that it, it leaves a good taste in people's mouth and, and encourages them to reach out and connect. Because um, I I really feel like um, you guys are really good, um, kind people, and genuinely care for helping folks that struggle with problem gambling issues. So thank you. Thank you, JR. Um, one thing I realized we didn't talk about is how to get connected. So if you or a loved one is ever uh, seeking information about problem gambling, if you're looking for uh, an education session, a training, just uh, to learn more, you can reach us at 914-215-215. 6440. You can call or text that number. Uh, we have a very long email that we can put in the show notes because I won't be able to spell it out right now. But again, that phone number, which is great, is 914-215-6440. If anyone is listening in, they have some feedback. You know, we really appreciated the feedback that we got um, from our last episode and, and we love the questions. So please keep them coming. We, we would love to include uh, some of those in the next episode. So yeah, our email will be put in the show notes so uh, you can see all of our information and yeah, that's it. Yep. Thank you all. And thanks again, JR.
Thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedule. Oh, oh, that's fine. That's fine. I'm glad to hang out with you guys. I was going to try to do the porky pig. That's all folks, but I just didn't know that. On that note.